All right, turn your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 1. It can be found on page 553 in the Pew Bible in front of you. Page 553 in the Pew Bible. We're going to be looking at verses 12 through 18. Ecclesiastes 1, 12 through 18. Ecclesiastes 1, 12 through 18. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and a striving after wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me, and my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is but a striving after wind. For in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, as we open up your word, we ask that you would use it in a, in a, in a special way this morning, that we would learn more about you, that we would learn more about placing our faith and confidence in Christ. Would you take these words that I'm about to say and use them for your glory so that our trust and hope would be in Jesus and not in the things of this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we, as we send off our children to school this week, and as, as we prepare for them to start up school soon, and as we think about knowledge and higher education and the pursuit of it, what better time is there than to discuss wisdom under the sun? In our world today, we are bombarded with the significance of knowledge and wisdom, and education, and there's such an emphasis placed upon this that we feel pressure to have our kids learning more and more at younger and younger ages. We feel guilt because our kids haven't been able to learn to read at the age of two. Right? You ever feel that way? More and more and more. And you ask yourself, why? Why? What benefit or gain is there from this? And this is, this is one of the questions, this is the, the idea that Solomon has in mind that he asked in verse 3. What does man gain from all the toil at which he toils under the sun? And we'll continue to unpack this in our, in our text. Solomon dives into the, into the issues of life. So, that, so we have application for us here today. What benefit, what benefit, what gain or profit is there from our pursuit of knowledge and education? Is it so that we might accomplish something great? And what gain is there in that? These are some of the questions that Solomon asks as he plunges the depths of his heart in his search for meaning and satisfaction, and 
fulfillment, and perhaps some of you have asked similar questions as well. So there are three truths that we see here this morning in our text that will help us understand wisdom under the sun. So first, you can see this in your outline, wisdom reveals the unhappy business of life under the sun. Wisdom reveals the unhappy business of life under the sun. So by way of introduction of this book, last week we observed this overarching theme, an overarching theme that Solomon is seeking to communicate to this gathered assembly concerning our lives under the sun. He said this, all is vanity. All is vanity. Life is a vapor. Therefore, we must enjoy God's gifts. We must fear God and keep his commandments. And we recognize that this is not a book, this, this book of Ecclesiastes, which we started last week, it's not a book that's intended to leave, to, leave you to, lead you to despair or depression. In fact, I didn't mention this last week, but do you know when the book of Ecclesiastes was read in Israel? The Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Booths. This feast was one of the three festivals that the Israelites celebrated. It was a, a seven-day festival which became known as the season of our joy. It was celebrated during harvest, right? And harvest time is a time of joy. At least I hope it is for you this year. Harvest is a time of joy because they would see how the Lord had provided for them and cared for them. Listen to Deuteronomy 16, 13 and 14. You shall keep the feast of booths seven days, when you have gathered in the produce from your threshing floor and your wine press, you shall rejoice in your feast. For seven days you shall keep the feast to the Lord your God at the place that the Lord will choose, because the Lord your God will bless you in all your produce and in all the work of your hands, so that you will be altogether joyful. And Ecclesiastes, this book was read during this time of joy and, and celebration among the people because it served to remind them of the, the transitory nature of life. Right? We're a vapor. We are a vapor. We are a mist. And we are then to be reminded to enjoy God's gifts, to fear God, and to keep his commandments. And so in, in attempting to, to communicate these truths, Solomon begins by reflecting upon life under the sun, right? Life on this earth. And as he would search for meaning and, and significance of all that is done under, under the sun, he lets us in on his quest. And he shares, it's like he's sharing his journal with us and his conclusions so that we might learn to enjoy the good gifts of God. We might learn to fear him and keep his commands because life is a vapor. Life is puzzling. And in his search for meaning and significance, he reflects upon this topic, wisdom under the sun. So look again with me at verses 12 and 13. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. So the preacher or the teacher identified as the one who is king over Israel in Jerusalem. And he is a man who applied wisdom in searching out all the things that are done under the sun. And we recognize this as Solomon, who was a man filled with the wisdom of God, right? You recall from 
1 Kings chapter 4, that King Solomon was king over all Israel. Solomon ruled over all the kingdoms from the Euphrates to the land of the Philistines to the border of Egypt. And these countries brought him tribute and served Solomon all the days of his life. And then 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 29, we read this. And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure and breadth of mind like the sand of the seashore, so that Solomon's wisdom, we're going to see this in Ecclesiastes, Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. And the people of all nations came to hear the wisdom of Solomon and from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. And the Lord gave him riches and honor as well. So Solomon reminds this gathered assembly that he has been king over Israel. The one who has a word to share with the people is the king in Jerusalem. If there, ever, if there were ever someone to listen to or who should be heard, it would be the king. And it would be the, the wise king whose wisdom was greater than any who had come before him. And he had the time and energy and resources to, to devote himself and put his wisdom into practice. And here he is, like an investigative reporter. He could give his whole heart to devote himself to study carefully the things that were done on this earth. And so we picture Solomon examining the pursuits of life, turning it over in his mind, reflecting in deep thought what he observed to see what was gained in this life. What's the point to this life? What are the pursuits of this life? What is being accomplished by these actions? And so we see him, we see him striving to get to the root of the matter, trying to uncover the depths of the activities, the work, the pursuits, the accomplishments, the things that are done under on the earth. Like a treasure hidden in a field. He does all he can to seek and to search it out so that it might be revealed. He takes that treasure and he puts it under a microscope and examines it from all angles. And here's what he concludes. Verse 13. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. Wisdom reveals the unhappy business of life under the sun. In other words, God has given a burdensome task to keep them occupied. Solomon concludes with his search with this. I learned that life is a burden and a pain. God had given to the sons of Adam an unpleasant occupation to fill their time. You see, Solomon is picking up on the burden and the futility and the difficulty of life outside of the Garden of Eden. As a result of the fall into sin by Adam, all of us, all of us, experience the burdens and difficulties of life here on this earth. Right? Genesis chapter 3, Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, by the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread 
till you return to the ground. With wisdom, Solomon finds that the things on, that are done under heaven is an unhappy business. It does not satisfy. It is difficult and hard. And in the end, we do not gain from all our toil at which we toil under the sun. And yet we're, we're occupied with this, right? Seeking to find meaning, seeking to find satisfaction, seeking to find profit, seeking to find answers to the difficult questions in life. But because we live in a sinful and fallen world, even man's wisdom, even the wisdom of Solomon could not resolve the quest for purpose or significance. The sons of Adam, that's us, right? We all labor and toil without finding any satisfaction or ultimate satisfaction, without finding answers to the question, what do we gain or profit from our toil. Instead, heartache and headaches, right? Do you guys face that? Do you guys experience that? The heartache and headache of, of life here on this earth, and all in our quest for meaning, for significance while we live here on this earth. Even more wisdom, even a greater education, even more knowledge cannot undo the unhappy business that God has given people to be occupied with. The king, think about this, the king, if life offered anything good, anything worth value, he would have it. He's the king. The wise man, if life offered anything good, anything significant, he would find it. He's wise. Wisdom was useful as an instrument to understand the problems and difficulties of life under the sun. Wisdom reveals that we live in a sinful and fallen world. And wisdom and education will not change that. No amount of knowledge, no amount of education will solve the problems of this fallen world. And this leads me to my second point. Wisdom reveals the vanity of our accomplishments. Okay, so look with me now, verses 14 and 15. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and is striving after wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. So Solomon here, he's not finished with his reflections and his observations upon the things that are done on the earth. He observes that everything, everything that is done under the sun, everything that is accomplished by people on this earth is vanity. It is futile. It is vapor. It is a striving after wind. This is another common theme that we're going to see throughout this book of Ecclesiastes, is this phrase, striving after wind. Right? The picture's clear, isn't it? Imagine a person chasing the wind. They're chasing the wind, trying to catch it, trying to, trying to grab hold of the wind. You can't. Right? In fact, even if you could, you would have nothing to show for it. I caught the wind. Well, you see it? Imagine children on a summer's day 
They've got this bottle of bubbles, right? They, they blow it, blow it into the air. And so you picture them blowing these bubbles and then trying to chase after these bubbles and try to catch them. Maybe one lands in their hand. Usually they pop, right? Maybe one lands in the hand and then they squeeze it and it pops, it bursts. So also with our accomplishments. Perhaps better yet, did you go out yesterday morning and see the fog? Right, foggy morning, yesterday morning, here anyway. I decided to do this because I was writing the sermon. Decided to go outside and, huh, I'm going to chase after the fog. I'm going to try to catch it. What do I have to show for it? Could I catch it? Of course not. Of course not. It is vanity. So also with our accomplishments. So also with our accomplishments. Wisdom reveals the vanity of our accomplishments. We seek and strive to accomplish things on this earth, and in the end, what do we have to show for it? To accomplish things under the sun, apart from God, is vanity. It is futile. It is striving after wind. So often we go through life with the mindset that we have to do something. I have to, I have to accomplish something great. And if I don't, then my life has no value or significance. Right? Reject that lie. Wisdom reveals the vanity of our accomplishments. And this truth this truth should free you from the bondage of pursuing and thinking that you have to accomplish something to be worth something in order to have significance or purpose. Why? Because look what Solomon says in verse 15. Verse 15 is remarkable. What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. What is crooked cannot be made straight. In other words, all the wisdom, all the knowledge, all the education cannot fix or solve the problems of life under the sun. That which is crooked, that which is twisted, that which is bent, the problems of life under the sun on this earth, we cannot fix or solve. Whatever attempts... Whatever attempts and effort we try to make to accomplish something great or resolve the issues of life will not be ultimately and finally fixed by us. We must stop trying to play God. You see? Our vain attempt to accomplish things on this earth whether it's through human effort or human wisdom or human creativity or human ability, doesn't ultimately make straight the crooked. Let me give you some examples. In Matthew 26, when Jesus was in Bethany, a woman came up to him with a very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head. The disciples saw this, why this waste? At least I imagine that's how they say it. Why this waste? 
We could have sold this and given it to the poor. To which Jesus replies, She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. The disciples were reminded that the poor would always be among them. Or, how about the events that happened in Virginia? And even the crooked events that are happening throughout our world, right, with terrorism, with with racism, with all the torture and sin that is so rampant. Or how about death? How about death? The problem is not a lack of knowledge. The problem is not we need more education. The problem is not we need more wisdom. The problem is that these things are a reality of life under the sun and we cannot fix that which is broken. We cannot make straight that which is crooked. And we attempt to accomplish things and think that that will resolve it. Or if we just get the right people in place, that's the answer to our problem. Or if we do more research, then we won't die. Being a believer in Jesus Christ doesn't change the fact that all of us, unless the Lord comes first, all of us are going to die. Being a believer in Jesus Christ doesn't keep us from getting sick or getting cancer or facing the difficulties and hardship in life. We can't change that. That which is crooked cannot be made straight. That which is lacking cannot be counted. Do not say, if only I had more wisdom or more knowledge or a greater education, then we could solve our own problem. Then we could fix the things that are wrong in the world. We, again, we must stop playing God as though the answer to life's problems is found in us. Or the solution to people's troubles is found with us. Rather, we need God to intervene. We must look outside of ourselves, outside of ourselves, outside of life under the sun for answers. We must look to the sun, to the Son of God, for the solution to our problems in life, which ultimately he will make straight when he comes again. Because in his death and resurrection, he has ushered in a new creation in an already not yet sense in which the pain and toil and difficulty in this life and the vanity of this life will lead to true, lasting joy and satisfaction in his presence for all those who trust in him. So you might be wondering, does that mean that we shouldn't have a concern for the poor or for the persecuted or for the things that happened in Virginia? Of course we should. 
Of course we should. Even though these realities exist in our day, that doesn't mean we sit idle. We pray and ask God that His will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We provide for those in need. And we learn about what's going on in our world and with people so that we might lead them to be reconciled to God and to one another. But we recognize the reality of life under the sun. So we have to humbly accept our limitations and acknowledge that sin and brokenness will exist on this earth. And we, at the end of the day, we cannot and will not be able to make this world paradise. Third and finally, third and finally, wisdom leads to greater sorrow. Sounds joyful, doesn't it? Wisdom leads to greater sorrow in life. Look with me now, verses 16 through 18. I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me. And my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is but a striving after wind. For in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. So Solomon reflects on his great wisdom and knowledge. He had surpassed all who were before him. And he seems to be pondering what he had gained from it, right? His question from verse 3 still resonates in the ears of his hearers of the assembly. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? Solomon had used his wisdom and knowledge to understand and observe the accomplishments of people on this earth, and he found it was a vanity and striving after wind. But now he seeks to reflect upon wisdom itself and distinguish it from madness and folly. Of all the wisdom and knowledge that he had acquired, what benefit, what gain did it bring him? So he considers the benefit of wisdom over folly, over foolish behavior. And what does he find? End of verse 17. I perceived that this also is but a striving after wind. Conclusion? Foolish behavior, madness, that is, living a proud, selfish life, living a life that doesn't take God into account in one's attitude, desires, thoughts, or actions, is a striving after wind. And it does not bring ultimate joy. It does not bring ultimate fulfillment or satisfaction. So if you're seeking to gain, if you're seeking to gain, find gain or benefit from living your life apart from God, stop. You are like a child, or like me, trying to catch the fog. But at the same time, not just folly and madness, and foolish behavior, but a striving after wind. At the same time, what does Solomon say about wisdom? Wisdom, too, is a vanity and a striving after wind. Wisdom, the skill of knowing how to live in God's created but fallen world, 
does not bring ultimate and final fulfillment or satisfaction. The wisest man who ever lived, apart from Jesus, found that acquiring wisdom and knowledge is but a striving after wind. Why? Verse 18. For in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. What does man gain? This is what Solomon's asking in his mind. What does man gain by acquiring more wisdom and knowledge and education? Vexation and sorrow. Vexation and sorrow. Perhaps you've experienced this the older you get in life. The more you look at the world, the more you look at life under the sun, you see more pain You see more problems, you see more difficulty, and you're filled with sorrow. You feel sorrow and you're frustrated because of the way things are in this sinful and fallen world. You mourn over the pain of knowing what's going on in this world. And yet our children, my children, I got four, ten and under, They have no idea. Our children are not aware of all the problems that we face, so they have no need to worry. Do they? And that's what we learn as we increase in wisdom and in knowledge. Now, again, does this mean we shouldn't pursue wisdom? Does this mean that we shouldn't encourage our children to pursue wisdom and knowledge? Of course not. We'll develop this theme more in in chapter 2, but wisdom is better than folly. And there is more gain in wisdom. What's our theme here at our church? To know Christ. We want to know something. We want to know Jesus. We want to know that he died on the cross for our sins. And ignorance in that, ignorance of knowing and having a relationship with Jesus leads to hell. But at the same time, I want to encourage you this morning to not put your hope in the things that we are striving to accomplish. Do not put your hope in increasing in wisdom and knowledge. Like the Pharisees who thought they were right with God based on their knowledge. Our hope must not be in our knowledge or wisdom, but in God and in depending upon Him. So as we close... As we reflect upon what we've heard this morning, ask yourself these questions. Have I sought to find meaning and significance in what I do? Am I seeking to find purpose and value in what I learn or in what I know? And in what ways 
Am I looking to my education or my accomplishments to profit or gain in this life? Like I've said, it's not that we don't seek to accomplish things. We just need to make sure that we're not making, looking to those things for our value and worth. Rather, we are to look to Jesus and what he has accomplished for us in his death on the cross. And might we find our value and worth in Christ alone. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. So often we make our God, our accomplishments, our wisdom, our knowledge, our education, We strive after it so we might gain in this life. And we recognize that we're only here for such a short amount of time. And so I do pray for us that you would free us up from seeking our value and worth in what we do or in what we know. Would you free us from this bondage so that we might live joyful so we might live fearing you and loving you. And might you enable us to continue to look to Christ and what he has accomplished for us on the cross and find our worth and value in him alone. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.